Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Here to Learn with Matt Edwards. And this is a podcast that is just a collection of conversations that I have with colleagues of mine and, and educators that I've learned from throughout my time as a teacher. Um, teachers that help me teach students better, relate to students better, uh, get along with my bosses better. And I'm most excited about this conversation today as it's with a former SAP counselor at our school. And um, full disclosure, I've never had therapy. I've never gone to a therapist. I've never uh, sought counseling, but it's something that I've Part of me has always thought that maybe I should. I've always been a proponent for it and encouraged others that uh, did participate in that. Um, uh, this person, uh, Carla Allen, was a SAP counselor at our school during you know, a critical time in my career as I'm learning how to be a professional, that first decade uh, of my teaching career. And she was there. And I spent a lot of time in her office and um, just working through my own personal issues. You know, like a lot of us, we come to this this profession with a full backpack of, of baggage, whether it's uh, your issues with you personally or your relationships or, you know, how you were educated or what you see yourself as a professional. And Carla helped me work through all of that, mostly just through listening. Um, I, I think you'll get to hear her amazing uh, ability to relate to people and encourage and, and be able to um, shut out the world while she uh, ha helps you kind of work through and feel like you're the only person in the room. And she was an amazing person. And I could have firsthand knowledge uh, for what she meant to our school community, to our students, and to their families. So I'm excited to share this with you. So I hope you enjoy it. Here's Carla Allen. Carla, I wanted to uh, just kind of pick your brain about some things because um, when you were here as a teacher, or sorry, when I was a teacher and you were here at Millbrook, um, you had such a, a great impact on our students and our staff. Um, and I just always admired your ability to almost make the world stop when I was talking to oh, you shoot. or when any anybody would, would seek your attention and, and what a valuable... Um, personality traits I think it's more of a skill really um, to, to be able to do that and to make somebody feel like you're just a hundred percent present and there's nothing else in the world going on and um, I just I've always always admired that and always knew that it was important for me because I've spent some time chatting with you um, but I knew how incredibly important it had to be for our students um, and and you not being an academic counselor while you were here you really got to focus on students is that right correct that was and i learned a long long time ago that i cannot impart my values on you or anybody else and i have to respect f from where you're coming and respect who you are and your beliefs before and we can build any kind of relationship that's i learned that many many years ago and that's been so helpful to me not to and try to impart my values on kids especially and let them make them feel like how they think is wrong it's to teach them if they need to learn something it's to help them learn it not to tell them that they're wrong so when you just have to learn to appreciate people and their values and from where they're coming and that's um, it's hard uh, sometimes because you don't know where a kid's 
or an adult is what their personal life is like and how it affects them at um, work or at school. And establishing a relationship with them is just so important. It's so incredibly important. I'll tell you this, what, what I've all right, forgive how grumpy this is about to sound, but <laughs> one, of the, one of the professional development goals that I think Wake County has had the last couple of years, but certainly our school dug into last year, was um, stressing the importance of building relationships with your students. But it felt like they were trying to um, almost give you a how-to and a to-do list and all these things you're supposed to do. And me personally, as a coach and a teacher, I've always preferred it to be more organic, more more spend the time and and read the room a little bit before you jump in there. Um, t- tell me, tell me, kind of where you were as far as building relationships. How have you developed your understanding of people, and and what's usually your approach? Well, let me think about that one for a minute. Just. I'm a really good listener, and I think in order to establish a relationship with anybody, you have to be able to listen whether what you think they're saying to you is good or bad or right or wrong. You need to to listen, and I think I that's where I start in, in being a good listener. And, and getting to know the teachers in, in the job that I had, you teachers are the first persons that the children that you see mm-hmm. the children see and for me to establish a relationship with teachers then that's gonna their teachers are going to say oh well Carla might be able to help this kid that's that right I have in the classroom so it's it's that's always been important to me in any job I've ever had is to to get a relationship established just a respectful relationship I think I think the the <laughs> idea of listening I think when we say it Everyone would probably give that answer. You got to be you got to be willing to listen to somebody if you want to get to know them. But like being somebody who's not a great listener, listening's difficult. Listening's difficult because our mind wanders because we we have our to do list in our head because we may not like you said value that person sitting across from them. Um, I get I guess for for me I always uh, worry or not really worry but wonder like when. When I have a kid that I might not be that interested in or I might not like how they seem to carry themselves or their attitude that they have, you know, what are, what are some things when you would run into that type of kid that kind of challenged you and um, made you question if this person really cared about success or anything like that? You know, how, how did you train your ear to still hear them, to train your heart to still value them, what were what were some go-tos that helped you in those tougher situations? I just have to walk away for a minute and get myself right mm-hmm. um, because it wasn't always about the kid. It's about, was it be about me. Carla, you got to, something's going on here. You got to listen to this child. So right. I would just step away and talk to myself and say, you're being judgmental or you're, right. you're valuing, you're putting your values on it. And there's a lot of things that I don't understand about kids, about adults, about people. But if you are willing to listen to them, really, really listen, and hear what they're saying, maybe not even listen, but hear what they're saying and what that means to them. um, Would it ever affect you 
would it ever oh God. would it go home with you would it oh. affect you know the next kid you talk to oh i used to be the worst crier in the world <laughs> i could go home and just think about it and just cry for these children or and some adults and it, it that was really very hard for me but over time i developed the strength not to get emotional mm-hmm. about it but boy back in the early days i would take it home with me and wouldn't let go yeah but i can that's imagine that's not healthy you can't you can't do your job if you let it eat away at you well, um you know just kind of <coughs> think a little bit broader picture when when you were when you were a guidance counselor not just at millbrook but your your previous stops um where did you see you really being able to help students? Where did you feel like your role in your kind of social worker, kind of counselor, kind of a mom, kind of a mentor, kind of just a full-on support system for the kids, you know, how did you feel like you were helping the most? By being there for them. Yeah. This, a lot of kids didn't have anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them left faculty that I would help from time to time or listen to from time to time didn't have anybody else. They, you know, in, in order to help yourself, you got to talk about it. That's right. You know, you can't keep it inside. And so there it comes back to the, the listening part, you know. No matter what a child or an adult is feeling, it's big to them. If it's bothering them, it's a big deal to them. And you, they, you need to listen and let them talk about it. How often would you find people that would want to come and talk to you and spend time with you? How often did you find those folks seeking an answer or just seeking your presence in your ear? Was it, was it ever a time where a kid or, or, or a teacher or a parent wouldn't leave without you having to answer? Did you ever feel like you had to be that answer? No. And because I don't, I don't want to say you've done this wrong or you need to do this uh, because it's always going to come back to me. That's right. Alan said for me to do that. Uh And you just sit and let them, help them to think about what it is that they, how they need to change, not tell them how. Because if you tell them how and it backfires, then you're you're the bad one. So, and it hasn't helped your relationship with the student or anything. So. Um, When you were... At, at Athens Drive High School and then East Millbrook and then and then to Millbrook High School, how did your role or responsibility change relative to your school and relative to the time at which you were at those places? It's the every school has a culture mm-hmm. and it's you have to adapt to that culture. And I've seen that since I have retired, I work part time for Jostens and I go to all the schools in the county, and you can just see their, the, cult, the cultures of the different schools, so you have to acclimate to that and adapt to that. And um, I'm trying to think at Athens how different the population, it was all the same, pretty much the same populations at each school, mm-hmm. just a different culture. Mm-hmm. Did you 
Do you ever find that, and, and I'm not certainly not going to get you in trouble because you're retired and you don't <laughs> have to answer these folks. Did you ever find that a principal or your administration in general would um, try to micromanage your position or tell you that you're going to be in this niche at this school? Or did they, did you feel like they trusted or, or understood what you were good at and they were just going to let you do that? I never felt micromanaged in all my years. I, uh, I never did. I was pretty much, if I wanted to talk to my administrator about something I wanted to do, I would go in and say I'd like to do whatever and talk about it with them. And most, most times I was allowed to do it, but I never felt like um, anybody was breathing down my neck or anything like that except one uh, department person, one department person uh, <clears throat> that wasn't familiar with my kind of job and didn't understand my job would really follow me and <laughs> trying to say something without saying something. Yeah. <laughs> but I never felt, other than that, that was that was a very stressful time because I had always been allowed to do my job without very much question, mm -hmm. and then it happened that this person came along and was unfamiliar with what I did, mm -hmm. had never been exposed to an SAP kind of position, right, right, because they're not in every school in the in the state, and that was it was kind of difficult uh, to deal with. Mm -hmm. I dealt with it and got over it. And right. Well, t talk, to, talk to me a little bit about dealing with parents. <laughs> um, you know, you, you deal with some sensitive topics. Wow. And um, just, you know, in you and I's interaction, we've had a common student or two, and, and there's been some situations where we've had to get parents involved or even had to hold some parents accountable. Um, talk to me a little bit about interacting with parents and maybe some some... Some parents are very difficult because you are invading their privacy. You are. And you're learning about their family business that they may not want somebody to know because everybody's everybody has something in their family that sure. they don't really want everybody else in the world to know. And I tried to convey to parents when I would talk to them that I was there with them, not against them, that we want to try to work together to help their child. Mm -hmm. and um, But some parents were would not be accepting of any assistance, as you and I both well know. It's very difficult when you know a child is really needy right. and their parents don't think they are. Their parents think that we are the ones that are making the trouble right we're making us we're, we're we're a solution looking for a problem yes. yeah yes so it's that part is very difficult and that but it all comes back down to trying to establish a positive relationship mm -hmm. from the very beginning and if you don't get that done it's very difficult yeah i uh, <laughs> i i can imagine that you know because one of the things that teachers say so often are well we're not going to be able to teach these kids or we're not going to be able to do this with them because it's just their home life their home life their home life and you know we they send them here and we're supposed to babysit them and be their parents and teach them and do all these things and i can imagine that it's uh, it's incredibly tough 
uh, to be in your situation and and have to talk to to parents about things that their kids are dealing with or or uh, things that that's been exposed in your conversations. Um, I, I wonder I wonder if you can uh, talk to me a little bit about um, where you kind of saw kids as far as issues or struggles did you see any trends over your time did you see at this part of my career this seemed to be happening more often and then as i was moving to this school or as this time passed i saw this what uh i I don't know if that might be a little sensitive to ask you about no um for all the kids that i worked with had some personal social issue whether it was drugs pregnancy, homelessness, no parents, no family. And it was across the board. It's it's everywhere you go, and it doesn't cross socioeconomic right, right. status at all. There's, you know, it's just kids that, and I think one of the, the big things that when I left and retired, I was... <clears throat> Frustrated because there was not a lot of mental health help in this county to get when we had kids who were very seriously sick. It was really hard for me to help a family find a placement for them because there was nowhere for them to go. Oh my goodness! And we would um, there were places here in Raleigh, but they were mostly full, and when you could get them in. Their stay was basically a two-week stay, mm-hmm. and that doesn't. A lot of times, that's not enough time to, right. to get anybody any help. And so, um, that was a, the stumbling block for me. That it's just there are so many kids that that have mental health issues, and people don't talk about mental health no, issues no. at all. Well, because we don't know anything about mental mm-hmm. health, so no. if we don't know about it, right. if we just don't talk about yeah. it, it doesn't it's exist. It's not there. Right. And so, but it's definitely there. And I think from the things that I've seen in Wake County, they are, are growing in that area uh-huh. of having services to provide for for kids and adults. I think that's improving, but that was very frustrating when I was working at all three of my schools. It was very difficult to find help for kids. And if a kid needed a therapist, you know, some parents couldn't afford <clears throat> to pay. Right. And that's that was another step. So knowing that there's care out there, but I can't afford it, I just I just can't imagine that yeah. stress as a parent. Yeah. Or, or as a counselor, because you're with that person almost as often as they're with their parents and, and, and parents love their kids mm-hmm. you can't, i don't care who you are you're going to love your child no right. matter what 99 percent of the time and when your kids got a a problem and there's an, an adult that's not a family member trying to help you understand that your child has some issues that's right. very very difficult because you're saying something's wrong wrong with your kid that's right and it's not you're just trying to help them see that they need to get help that's right and that's that is very very difficult and parents are not willing to accept the fact that their child needs help right and 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 they're not broken they're not you know they're not bad parents either it's it's that their kid that everybody has issues and everybody has 
has needs and we have to meet their needs wherever their needs are it's and it's yeah and the mental health thing is such a scary thing because it's in my lifetime dorothea dix has closed um there's just less and less support for that and it seems to be because so many of my contemporaries don't think it's real or don't you know maybe haven't been touched by it don't talk about it we definitely don't talk about it talk about it and that's you got to talk about it because i mean my family we've had issues in my my family and you have to talk about it to make it better no doubt no doubt because it it doesn't have anywhere to go no but get worse that's right and that's what educating parents about and everybody about mental health issues with with young folks and adults how did how did uh how did counseling affect you as a parent (laughs) (laughs) that um well, I was helping everybody else's kids. Yeah. I wasn't helping mine. Okay. And that's, uh, um, it was a challenge because um, there would be sometimes when I would have a, a kid that was suicidal and I couldn't leave school. I mean, this is not a silly example, but a small example. I couldn't leave that child until his parents came to school to get him, which may be an hour or six hours. Right. My child had a doctor's appointment or was sick at school, and I couldn't go get him. Mm. You know, something as small as that. But it's very hard when you are when you are a parent and your child is not doing the things that you think that he or she should. And that is really hard when you're helping everybody else's kids and you can't help your own. Mm. And it's not like my son didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. School was not his thing. He um, he went to AB schedule mm-hmm. when he was in the eleventh grade, and he didn't. He had a, a short attention span. His teachers didn't want to do the AB schedule. They didn't care whether the kids came to school or not. Right. So he just got in his little pattern that his his teachers would know whether he was there or not. So he didn't go. And then they never called me mm. to tell me. So that was very, very hard because I had expectations and I knew that my son was going to college and da-da-da. And he didn't. And he's fine. Mm-hmm. And that's what parents have to see. Not every kid is going to be the brightest kid in the class or the school. Not every kid is going to college. Not every kid needs to go to college, and they can be successful without going to college. And happy without. And happy. And I would love to see more vocational mm-hmm. training in schools because they're not every kid's going to go to college. And I just think if if my son had had developed a skill while he was in high school, he would have liked school more. If yeah. he had a chance to develop some kind of skill. He's perfectly fine. He's making wonderful money. He's happy. But back then, I didn't think that was ever going to be the case. Cause well, that wasn't. certainly wasn't how our state or, or even our school system was setting everything up. It was one yeah. pathway. I mean, I in my career, we took away pathways and made it one pathway. It just used to, excuse me, but just pissed me off. Yeah. The way that the, 
the schools would think that we've got to prepare you for that. Well, you don't. You can have a cosmetology. Absolutely. Or brick masonry. Or My son works for a, a, a masonry company, mm-hmm. and he's doing very well. But they can't find brick masons because mm-hmm. there's nowhere to, for anybody to be trained. There's, And I've tried to facilitate getting some um, schools to do um, some brick masonry training, and there's only one, and it's in Fuquay. Uh-huh. It's Fuquay High. Mm-hmm. And if you had that in the schools, not necessarily, big, but vocational training for right. those kinds of jobs, how many more kids could be successful? And that's I agree. The part, that's, that is really, uh, that's one thing that I've always thought that we had lacked in is providing vocational training for kids. Did you ever find that, <clears throat> and, and this is a little bit of an obvious silly question, but I just kind of wanted to hear you expand on it, is the stress of the academics or the struggle with a lack of success academically, you know, how many of those kids would that then turn into several other things? I mean, is that a real thing that, yes. that we often don't pay attention to? We don't to? realize how much pressure we put on. And this is, this is talking five years ago. I mm-hmm. don't know how it's changed. But I had several kids who were in a very rigorous had very rigorous schedules and they couldn't handle it right and it just we could not convince the parents they needed to change their schedule and that it was okay to take a regular class rather than some rigorous class that Mm -hmm. was doing them in and I had two or three students in uh, in one particular year that that went from being in that real rigorous schedule to having to not be in school at all yeah because they couldn't take the pressure and and i'm sure those parents weren't ready for that i'm sure to them their kid has always been a high flyer and everything was great and and when you're a high flyer not everything's always exactly great oh no nothing's nothing's great and it the stress that kids, the kids and parents put on themselves to, to be that. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know if it's changed any, but it just used to frustrate me for, for the kids when they were trying so hard to be so perfect and so smart and make all those A's and, and they couldn't handle it. And they weren't being, they weren't allowing themselves or being allowed to be a kid. And when you're in high school, you're still a kid. Absolutely. You know, there's other things besides being a straight-A student right. or number one in your class. But to many of them, they don't even, they don't know that there's other mm-hmm. things or they haven't been allowed to know that there's other things. Um, let's shift the uh, conversation away from students for a little bit and talk about teachers. Um, you, you've got a chance to meet a lot of teachers and talk to teachers. I've sat down with you and poured my heart out and didn't even realize that that's what I was doing when I came to talk to you because I'm sure I led talking about some student or something. Um, but teachers teachers in schools, public school teachers, what do you feel like 
you were able to help them with? What were you able to be supportive with them with? Was it was it as simple as Matt comes and sits on your your couch and we talk about it, or is it um, you know what what were the things the things that teachers were struggling with that you felt like you could be supportive or helpful of? A lot of the, the teachers that they had personal problems mm-hmm. that they didn't talk about, and they had so much stress on on the school level about mm-hmm. getting everything done and all. Of, I just can't imagine the stress that teachers have on them with the amount of work that they're expected to produce above and beyond teaching in the classroom. It's that just used to just floor me. Right. And for a new teacher, you know, all the responsibilities they have, that's a lot. Because most new teachers are young. Oh, young and and don't know about being a professional? No, and they need support. Mm -hmm. And the teachers that, most of the teachers that that sat down with me, that I would treat them just like I would treat a student. Mm -hmm. If they were having a real issue, well, let's see what we can do and where we can get you some help and how we can, can we give up something? And uh, it just went from there. Did you ever feel compelled to talk to your bosses about a struggling faculty, or was that always just a very protected um, kind of thing, part of your job? One, um, it was always, I was very protective mm-hmm. of my students and any of the faculty, but there was one, one young teacher that had to go to administration about because of the issues and it was very sad for me to have to do that because she had been the teacher had been a student at um, Athens Drop oh my goodness so but for her health and her safety I had to go to administration that time and that, that was difficult for me because I loved that teacher yeah and I didn't want that teacher to feel like I was breaking her confidence, but I had to right. for her for her well-being. I can't so imagine. It's very, very hard. I can't imagine the dilemma, the the the, the struggle with the ethical, with the legal, with the personal, those things, knowing <laughs> what you know, these intimate things about folks. I, I just, it blows my mind. Um, but you know that role you feel is so incredibly important for us. Um, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder about some of our some of our teachers now, and do we have that outlet, or does the school system know that 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 needs to be available? And you know, because I feel like you know my brother works at a big corporation, and you know they have a workout room, and they have childcare, and they have mental health, and and that's part of their you know cost of doing business, I guess that's what they would call it. And I and I I worry that there's not enough of a focus on on us as there is maybe on some of our students and things. And I and I get nervous about that every now and then because that to do list gets pretty long. And this being my 18th year, I could kind of cope with that a little bit. But you know, we got few and few fewer and fewer young teachers are in the profession in general, and then those folks that are here, it's, it's hard for them to find that support system. 
And it's hard for them to stay because of that. I mean, you don't find, or not, you're not going to find many seasoned teachers anymore. Kids that start out now as teachers are not, unless they can relieve some of their stress, I'm not sure that they're going to be a career teacher. Right, right. And I get nervous that, like you just said, we're not going to have many career teachers mm-hmm. anymore. And then, you know, the turnover is going to be, you know, that really messes with your culture or your school. Do you know, I had um, my daddy uh, worked for Champion International, and he started an employee assistance program back a mm-hmm. long time ago. And that's what my the SAPs were founded on EAP jobs to help and provide services for kids, students that needed it. And I know that Wake County, I guess they still have it, had an EAP. And I would try, I would help try to help teachers to get in connected with the EAP. And it was very difficult because I don't think they had it staffed Mm. enough for people to, there wasn't enough people to provide assistance. So I think that, I mean, whether you're a teacher or you're a student or you're retired like me, if you need some help, you got to be able to find it. Yeah. It's got to be out there. That's right. I mean, you want, <clears throat> I think so many of us teachers will, will do all these different strategies and we'll provide things that we, and we will complain about the kids. We, we, we open the door, but we can't make them walk through and we, we provide all these things, but we want to be able to model that we can seek help or we can take advantage of opportunities that are out there as well so i guess it's it's you know it's it's my responsibility as a as a as a teacher to know what all these are and i I maybe spend a little more time trying to figure that out but i knew when you were here i knew where that help was and that was an amazing thing to to have that i just it might just be my nature i don't know that many of the other SAPs Mm -hmm. ever got involved trying to help their teachers or any of the teachers ever went to them. I just, I don't know that because we never talked about it. And that just may be my nature. It wasn't part of my job description, but it was my nature. But I do believe that, and it's all about relationships. You've got to, everybody needs to have somebody that they can talk to. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, And if the teachers are supported, that trickles down. I mean, I know for sure my time speaking to you helped me understand how maybe possibly I can help some of my students. And I don't have a ton of students that need to sit down with me and pour their heart out because I'm me and rough and gruff and all those things. But, like, it was certainly important for me to start recognizing what I should do with my behavior, my body language, when a, a student was trying to fill me out to find out if they could talk to me. Right. And, uh, and, and that was super helpful. You said something earlier um, that always blows my mind as a teacher. And you, you talked about loving, loving the student, loving the teachers. When you say that, is this a, like, Expand a little bit on that because it's something that I struggle with when people, well, like I have students that will say to me every now and then, you're supposed to love all your students. And I go, whew. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. You have to respect them. Mm-hmm. And and maybe when I said that, maybe I, I didn't mean to say love, but you have to respect them unconditionally. And 
not every student did I love, not yeah. every student did I like, mm -hmm. but I was here to, to do my job and I had to, that's where I had to look at myself and say, Carla, get over it. This kid needs some help. Right. So you help him. So it's, it's an unconditional respect, I think, that you have to have for people. Do you, do you feel like that's something that teachers struggle with? that idea of respect or, or maybe it's defined differently in cultures or I think it's probably defined differently in cultures and I think teachers want to do want to teach kids they're what that's why they're in the class oh yeah <clears throat> and they're going to be very difficult kids that you're going to come across but you got to figure out a way I mean you're there to teach but you also need to figure out a way that I got to work with his kid because he's in my classroom. Right. And that's hard mm -hmm. because you're not going to like everybody. No. No, you are not. <laughs> no, <you're> not <laughs> I can gonna, speak to that. I can but, tell you that myself. But, but they're coming tomorrow anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> they they're are. They're in here. And you just got to, that's when you take a look at yourself and say, shoo, I got to do a little bit better on that's this. That's right. All right, I'm going to finish you up on this. I got a couple, like, little, let me throw out some things in this last few years as you've been able to kind of step back and, and look, look at some of us silly folks that are still trying to do this thing, I'm going I'm to throw some topics out to you and tell me how you see that maybe affecting a school. All right, so we'll, we'll see how this goes. All right, well, there we go. <laughs> maybe all right. I, this might be the part that I say I don't know. <laughs> That's all right. All right, social media. Mm. Where, where, where you are now in your world, how is social media affecting from what you can tell in schools a lot mm -hmm. I, because I go to all the different schools it's just amazing to me that when you walk in any given school any given time of day that that's pre it's present mm -hmm. and it's very influential on children and it can be detrimental and that's just I just I, I always fear with social media and how I mean there's so many great things that you could do with it is communication and and helping bring awareness to things but it's it's it makes our country our, our country our world seem so much smaller yet we forget that it gives you access to all these people so something that you say I think it the good thing about it it does make our country smaller yeah and um, but once you post something, you can't get it back. No. And I, I worked part-time after I retired. I worked at a semester at Cary, and I had a student that um, put some stuff out there that she thought it, she was only sending it to one person. Mm. And then he got mad at her, and he sent it to everybody in the world. Uh. And so it was that part. They don't, I think kids don't get it that you can't take it back. Okay, how about this one? In the last five years, our area's gotten a lot bigger. How's that affecting students? Too big. It's too big. I think you just can't get a relationship with kids when it's, it's, it grows so quickly. Right. I mean, this school, when I was here, 
at one time we had, I don't know how what your population is now, but the population was the size of the town that I grew up in. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, that's, it's, uh, I think sometimes smaller is, yeah. is good. Well, it's, it's, it has gotten smaller in the last five years. <laughs> Our school has gotten smaller as they've built other high schools and, and us being a magnet school has been able to change the population mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but it's, I mean, I think about, you know, there's, we have students that go to colleges that are half the size of this high school. Yes. And I'm just thinking, like, I didn't even know that was possible. I thought you get bigger when you go to a college. But, yeah. Well, you know, I really, really have appreciated you spending time <laughs> and talking. Enjoyed. I've missed having you here uh, and, you know, the, the bright ray of sunshine that oh, you shoot. were and helping everybody. But I've also... When I started doing these podcasts, I've thought about you instantly because I feel like your perspective is so unique and it's an awareness of things that me as a teacher completely forget about. I mean, I get on stuck on their EOCs and I get stuck on yeah. their grades and their passing and their parents and, and, and sports and coaching and playing time and all that. And then I often have to remind myself that they're not. The kids aren't robots. The teachers aren't robots. The the administrators aren't robots. That we are different people almost every day. But you know what? EOCs, if your kids don't have good scores, then are you going to get in fussed at? No. You know? <laughs> if, you know, if you don't win on the soccer field, are you going to get fussed at? I mean, it comes back to you, you yeah. know, and that's, I mean, it trickles down, and that's, being a teacher is is a tough job, and people don't appreciate teaching, mm-hmm. I don't think. It's it's a hard, darn job to do. Well, you know, my... You have to please yourself, your administrators, teachers, parents, your parents of, of the kids you coach. That's right. So the kids you teach. Dang, it's a lot. It is. It it's, it's a, a lot. lot. Well, you know what my theory is? If they just paid us, like, you know, $200,000 a year, they could start being even, even more demanding if they want. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know if they'll be doing that anytime soon. No. Well, thank you, Carla, so oh, much. welcome. I'm jealous that you're retired, although I feel like you work harder than I do. Oh. <laughs> you know what? I get bored about 2 o'clock every day. And I just need to, I'm so thankful that I have this little part-time job, Mm -hmm. very part-time, because I can get up and get myself out of the house and go do something. When I first retired, I thought I had to go somewhere every day. And I don't have to. I don't have to get out of my house and go somewhere every day. But I miss being around people. Mm -hmm. But it was time. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time and your perspective. And, uh, I hope it was something you were looking for. <laughs> it, it was, it was better. It was better. Thank you. Okay. <laughs>